0: You are listening to Boise Fire Mission Strong Podcast, where we share stories from the field, public safety knowledge, and give an inside look into the Boise Fire Department. Here's your host, Fire Chief Mark Niemeyer.
1: Hello, Boise, and welcome to Episode 6 of the Mission Strong Podcast. Today, I have the great opportunity to be joined by two of our HAZMAT team leaders, Battalion Chief Roy Mitchell Captain Jake Zabell, first off, thanks, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having us. So for
0: those listeners that may not know, what is our HAZMAT team? So the, the Boise Fire HAZMAT team was established in 92, and it actually was a joint team with Caldwell back then where we'd have half respond from Boise, half respond from Caldwell. And uh, we actually used Station 6 and Station 5, and they'd alternate back and forth moving apparatus. So we had two HAZMAT stations, one set of equipment that would move back and forth. And um, so that was kind of the the, the development of it, but it was designed for um, the intent to respond to obviously hazardous materials and stuff. But uh, as as we evolved, we went to station 12, was the next step, and then eventually here in 2010. So we respond to all hazardous materials, chemical, biological, uh, weapons of mass destruction, uh, illicit labs, you name it. Anything that would be chemical or bio, we'd, we'd have the capability to respond.
1: So responding to that much, and these are very specialized positions and very specialized equipment and apparatus, takes a lot of training. What's some of the training you have to go through to be qualified to be on this hazmat team?
2: So not only do we try to devote the time um, in our daily you know, time while we're here to training, but a lot of times the training out of the state, out of the city is available to us. So we try to get out of state, uh, Nevada, Utah, pretty much all over the country. If we can find the training to send people, that's yeah. what we're going to do.
1: when we're talking about training, it's not just a couple hours to get you on the hazmat team. It's a lot more than that. What does our training entail from start to finish?
0: We're guided by some regulations and standards. And the regulations through OSHA, EPA, and DOT are very clear on what you have to do. And they look at us as just another worker, an emergency worker, but they have written a very strict uh, standard that if you don't meet you're, you can't do it. There's, right. there's no halfway in it. Right. And then the NFPA standard is backed up by industry yeah. or, or or yeah the fire service and says here's what everyone else is doing so you better be doing it too. So we're very careful about making sure we meet those standards because we don't want to be sending people out doing things right. and having things go wrong. So we look at our we just did an academy. So right now we're doing a 120 hour academy so that's 40 hours of chemistry and then we do just 80 hours of all the equipment. And you know, I, I, I'm not even gonna begin to get into it because it's from decon to the software I was talking to you about to all the monitors. Uh, it, it's super extensive. So when someone comes out of that academy after 120 hours, they might be able to say, I'll, do you know what this is? Well, I think I remember what, it, I mean, it's so much we're feeding right. these guys. Right. So once we get them onto the team, we understand that, right? So. there's a very structured progression. The first two years, we're just trying to get you, you might be going in the suit and doing a few things to uh, limit your, you know, we're not gonna put you in really challenging situations. And then after that, you will be moved up. And how long you've been on the team will dictate where we're gonna put you and where Jake will assign you. But we continually train, right now we're training nine times uh, a year, every block we call it, every six weeks. Um, and that's an eight hour training block. And then we do a 40 hour hazmat week on top of that. In addition to all the training Jake was saying, like Pueblo does a highway specialist, a rail specialist, the rad specialist. So all of these uh, trainings, again, if you, if you really want to be good at it, you have to engage like yes. you can. not And not working at the station's a challenge too, because I worked at station three for uh, five years and I wouldn't get to do all the calls, I got the training. And when I got back out here working as a captain, it was like, it was so much different for me. Right. And I know Jake would time. attest because Jake's career, I mean, you, he was out here at twelves for years and then now he's back again, yep. so. Yeah,
2: yeah it's, a, it. it's challenging. And I think now with the station 14 opening and doubling up with hazmat personnel yep. is gonna really help us in that aspect of getting yep. together and training.
1: So hazardous materials, people, when they think hazardous materials, elaborate a little bit more on what is hazardous materials. It can be a lot. So maybe cover some of those broader hazardous materials responses you might go on.
0: Yeah, so we see a lot of uh, hazardous materials on our highways. I mean, there's transport all over the place, primarily flammable liquids and gases. Uh, Obviously, everyone sees a gasoline truck. I mean, that is considered our, our number one hazardous material we see. Uh, rail, uh, facilities, all kinds of, as our city grows, we're seeing more and more activity. Um, It's just, unfortunately, it tends to be the most hazardous materials work the best in different processes. So um, as we grow and we see more industry, we're gonna just see more hazardous materials. So, uh, and then anywhere from mercury exposures, mercury uh, that's been kicking around in the state for the last hundred years from mining, see a lot of mercury in in Idaho. Yeah, there's you name it. I mean, EPA has what they call extremely hazardous substances that are very heavily regulated. And and if you have that in your facility, they actually have to report to the state and then it it comes down to us eventually. But um, I mean, we see anywhere from white powder calls where someone might be sending a threatening letter, uh, you know, terrorist acts. uh, Again, a lot of flammable liquids, mercury. We see, but uh, you name it. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty much covers a whole spectrum. Uh, And as Jake said, there's there's specific training that we go to. That uh, you know, radiological is another one that I didn't mention. Uh, So we have capabilities to pretty much manage anything that could could happen. So we're all Boise firefighters. Uh, You all are Boise firefighters as part of the
1: team, but we are part of a statewide regional response. What does that mean? How how does that work in your world as far as outside the city of Boise? Where do you go to and what types of calls do you respond to?
2: I think it depends on the nature of the call. But if uh, we are called upon from the state to respond, uh, we can pretty much respond anywhere, not only in the state, but I mean, if the call was to come in uh, anywhere in the nation, I think we have that capability to respond. So it's going to just depend on the nature of the the call and who's uh, requesting. Yep.
0: So, so chief, we're very heavily regulated as far as what we're, if you don't have the training, it's almost like paramedicine, right? Right, Like if you're an EMT, you don't dare do certain things. And it's the same thing with hazmat. So as a result, in order to be trained to the level that we are, it it's a big, big lift, whether it be equipment or training. So we certainly can't expect all the departments across the state to meet that standard, but they do have training that allows them to do certain levels of response. When they get over their heads, they call, the state calm, and then we get brought in, and we are a resource that can assist if yeah. they need us, but they have to ask for us. We never just show up, they have to ask for us, and at that point, we're, we're just there to support, and that's yep. how the state has built the system to meet the needs of the entire state.
1: It's a good system, and it's getting better, as we know. We've been working with the Office of Emergency Management to make it even better for the state. We have seven regions. Uh, we're region four. Uh, we're one region out of seven. That does a lot of work and and as you alluded to I think you know awareness level operations level and then technician level which you guys are the technicians within the department in the region which is awesome. Uh, Speaking of statewide responses we had a pretty big one not too long ago up highway 95 uh, outside of New Meadows not necessarily considered right in our backyard but like you alluded to Jake uh, we can go anywhere at the request you were on that, yes, talk sir. a little bit about that, that experience. Uh,
2: so our neighboring um, region, region three, actually that was their call. Uh, but because of some of the capabilities that we have here uh, that they do not, and in that case, it was a uh, tanker truck full of propane, a yeah. uh, little over 12,000 gallons of propane. Uh, it was on its side and they needed to flare it off. Um, that was the only way to safely upright that, that trailer. Right. Well, uh, we got involved on the state comm call and they requested assistance. And we went up there and about 30 some odd hours of flaring, we, we emptied that trailer and we got back. Got
1: but, it turned up just right. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah it was just because of uh, just some of the capabilities that we have that, like I said, that they did not have. Um, what well, do you guys represent
1: us well? I got some feedback and it. thanks from uh, the chief up there as well as Region 3. And, and that's really the fire service, right? I, a lot of people don't know that is that at the end of the day, when the big thing happens that we all come together, it doesn't matter which department, we come together and get to work and do a good job. So nice work on that one for sure. So Jake, you mentioned the flaring operation on Highway 95.
2: That's got to have some inherent dangers to it. Well, it does, yeah. So you're you're dealing with a flammable gas, a lot of it. And so what that involved was us uh, hooking up some of the specialty equipment that we have. And pretty much the simple version of that is taking the container and the product in the container, and we're actually just burning it off right. uh, in a controlled fashion. Um, the problem that we had up there was we were in the middle of the mountains. Right. And so we were having a hard time with uh, different equipment yep. and we had to make do yep. and we did uh, in a safe fashion. And so uh, kudos to the the companies up there, yeah. um, the team uh, the adjoining, uh, regional team from team three, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what flaring is. It's just taking the product out of that damaged vessel and just burning it off. It's a, it's a big candle,
1: but still dangerous.
2: still have to have hose lines, present. still
1: have to have all of it. Communications some of those things we we realize we're challenging when you're in the middle of the mountains and you don't have great communication. And how do you, how do you you overcome that? So
0: yeah, one, one of the challenges with, with propane and everyone's so comfortable with propane, but remember it's, it's in its liquid state in that container and it doesn't want to be. Right. So if it comes out catastrophically, if it was to rupture, it 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 creates a huge vapor cloud, right? So, yes. you know, Jake's dealing with a damaged container in an environment that you really can't do a great assessment on. You don't want to move it, and you're trying to manipulate valves and get the the vapors off it in a safe manner. You know, air monitoring, doing quick assessment. But at the end of the day, it was, I mean, you're talking 12,000. Gallons of uh, propane, and it expands 290 to one. So you can imagine the cloud yes. if things were to went cloud. bad.
1: Uh, what else? What else would you want our listeners to know that they might not know about a hazmat team, about the equipment we have and carry, the science behind it. There's a lot of science yeah. behind so,
0: it. So, so hazmat. really, uh, you know, it 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 fits well with the fire service. I mean, it makes a perfect sense to put fire and hazmat together. Uh, I've I've been on the team for 20 years, and um, I've been very fortunate to get a lot of good training uh, and our department's been very good about giving us really good equipment, but it, it really is its own animal. Like if you, it, it, I, I mean, everything we do is perishable, but I, I consider it kind of like detective work. So when we, when we go onto a scene, it could be something where someone hands us papers and says, here's what it is. And then we have the knowledge of the chemical, and the container, and we'll we'll do a little bit of research, making sure that we're we're what we what we see on our meters is what we should be seeing, okay. um, which is pretty straightforward. All the way to you could have a abandoned building, and someone was in there and got sick, and you have no idea. It could be boxes okay. of old stuff, and the cool thing that I find that really I really enjoy about hazmat is. It's very different in fires. When we go on a structure fire, it's like quick, like things are happening so rapidly. On hazmat, we, we have the ability to slow it down and it's, it, it's really detective-like. So, you know, Jake and the whole team is tasked with, a first you have to know your chemistry, you have to understand products very well, you have to understand the containers at the rim. Like he was on a, what they call a 331, which is a very stout container that holds, just like a propane bottle that you'd have in the back you know, you can drop those from the top of your house and they'll be okay, right? So understanding containers um, and then also understanding the technologies we have. So when I got on the team, a lot of it was uh, burning, mixing in water, it was just chemistry. It's like a chemistry set. And now we have technology. We have a device, it's called the uh, GCMS, grass, gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. And it is like the gold standard state of the art type uh, detection capability. And to think that you're just going to give that to a firefighter and be able to right. use is pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's so. I, I think what I'd like to share is that it it takes a huge commitment to be good at this. And and, and for me, it's been 20 years, and I and I and I love it. I really do enjoy it. I like the opportunities that departments provide me. I like the opportunities that states provide me, and and just the guys that we have working with have been great. But it really does present a whole different challenge than 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 fire. And then working with different agencies, right? Like we always joke if we get a call out in the middle of some, some county, like the sheriff's in charge, but as soon as we show up, they wave and like, hey, we're and it's like, no, no, no. You're, yeah. Like they always wanna leave, like we're there, right? So a lot of it's education too, just trying to teach uh, how, how we fit into the system. But as you had mentioned, the system in Idaho is great. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. it's state of the art, so.
1: And I think kudos to you, uh, Roy, you've, you've been a leader in hazmat across the state. People recognize you as one of those leaders that's continuing to help us evolve and get better as a state uh, from our regional response capability. So thank you. for
0: that. You're welcome. Yeah. I've had, and, and going back to 92, obviously I wasn't on the department back then, but we've had very dedicated people. Um, the mentors that Jake and I got to work with, um, they've since retired, but have really put us on the right path as a department and, and we, you know, even in 2015, I think we had our team go down. Well, part of our team with some state representative or some other state members went to the Urban Shield in Northern California and won it, which is you're you're competing against state or different California teams that are dedicated teams and little old Idaho go down there and yeah. take the championship. Yeah. So it, it it really does say a lot to the people that have that have been before us and set us up for success. Very dedicated.
1: The team members, I've watched it play out since I got here. Very dedicated team members. And certainly we're doing everything we can to keep evolving the equipment you have and and the training you have. And part of that's that relationship with the state of Idaho as well. Uh, And I think for our listeners, it's important to understand too, this is a regional response team. And so when we do deploy to Highway 95, there's a reimbursement aspect that happens as well. And so it's not the Boise taxpayers foot in the bill for a regional response. And that's why the system works so well is that we can offer that, we have the training, we have the members, we have the qualifications, and then when we do deploy, there's a reimbursement to keep us whole, yes, which certainly. is a really cool system. Yeah. yeah. What else do you guys want maybe listeners to know uh, that they don't know?
0: Well, the, I, I'd say another layer, layer of HAZMAT that I haven't brought up yet is the civil support team, which is at Gallon Field. So we're very fortunate in, in our region specifically to have that resource. And they respond primarily to weapons of mass destruction uh, as I'd mentioned, we have that capability. These guys are just, guys and gals are just trained at a higher level. So we work very closely closely with them. We drill with them. Uh, we've done exercises with them. Uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, and like I, I said, we've, I've been able to develop relationships with the postal inspectors, the FBI, CST, I mean all the acronyms I've been able to meet over the years and I'm on the right side of the you know at least they're not looking for me but it's been great I, uh, I've really enjoyed it so um, other than that I, I don't know what do you think Jake?
2: No I think, uh, I think Chief alluded to it a little earlier is the hazmat side of things if you're a firefighter I would equate this team to being so beneficial to your career as a firefighter, even if you were to do it for a few years. Yeah. Get the base knowledge. Yes. Um, what you're going to learn in this realm and this, this team will carry through your whole career. I would agree. Be very beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the great thing about our fire department is
1: we have hazmat, we have technical rescue, we have dive, we have ARF. We have places where people can go explore and certainly hazmats, I agree with you. Uh, I was never a hazmat guy. I was always the guy with the thumb and that's that far away. But I've always been intrigued by it because of the science and the chemistry and a lot of the work you guys do that goes beyond just the normal day-to-day stuff that we do, which is kind of fun and exciting. Well, Guys, I just want to say thank you for joining us on uh, this episode of the Mission Strong Podcast. Certainly what you all do with the hazmat team is a vital part of our mission. Uh, We talk about mission all the time. Mm -hmm. This is one component of it, very important for the community the safety of our community. So I just want to say again, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Boise, for tuning in. We hope you join us next month for another exciting episode of the Mission
0: Strong podcast.